Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. Well, good morning again. If you are just joining us online, we welcome you to the 10 o'clock service of Whitestone Christian Fellowship here in upstate New York. Uh, We're blessed to have you join us, and I just wanted to let you know that our reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 2. We'll be reading that together, and Genesis 2, verses 21 through 24. And then we will move on to our main teaching of Ephesians chapter 3, the first 11 verses of that chapter. We're, we're just excited by what the Lord is doing. Uh, it, comes to a, it comes to a point in Ephesians 3, but he did something in Genesis that's a type of what he's doing in the, the church at Ephesus, and that he continues to do in this church and every other church that's truly his. So read with me verses 21 through 24 of Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were naked and the man and his wife were not ashamed. I used this verse uh, in one of my son's weddings, and it became very clear at that time that Adam was made first. And the Lord took something from him. Now Adam being made first was in the, was in the image, was made in the image of God. But with the, with the advent and the need for Adam to have a helpmeet, God took something away from Adam. So he's no longer the perfect image of God. But when he brings the woman to Adam and they come together in a marriage, the two are complete and whole again. Not individually, but together. They have the fuller image of God than what they had a little while ago. But there's more to this story. When we look at the the Scriptures themselves, we we know that Adam had a real shock in hand when he woke up from the sleep that God caused him because there was now this woman next to him. Completely different and yet the same. Different in attitudes, different in understanding, 
And yet together, God made both of them. It's a picture of the church and Judaism. God made both of them. He made the Gentile and He made the Jew. And when He calls the church out of the Gentiles, we have His bride. And what's really interesting is that when the time comes, there will be no more Jew and no more Gentile. There will, will only be the church. When Jesus calls for when Jesus calls for us to come out, remain separate, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, to the church, he's talking to the things of our past. To the Jews, he's talking about their affection and their clinging to the law because Jesus did away with the ordinance of the ordinances of the law. So there shouldn't be any more Jews in the end times. There shouldn't be any more Christians in the end times. There should only be the church. We had a, a young woman that fellowshiped with us for a short time. And she would come in and she was uh, she claimed to be a Christian, but she would come in and she would sit in the back pew in the corner and she would listen to the teaching, but she would wrap around her shoulders a Jewish prayer shawl. And it was literally a distraction. But it was something that was left over. She thought she was honoring the Jewish background of the church. And she wasn't. She had an idol that she wrapped around herself. So when a Jew comes to Christ, I know they call themselves completed Jews. And they truly are if they have left all their Jewishness behind them. Because the works of the law are just that, just works. And works don't save us. When it comes to the Gentiles, we have to leave all that pagan stuff behind to be able to call ourselves part of the church. So each, each individual, just like Adam and Eve, they were completely different, but they had to leave those other things behind because they now had the other half of themselves to focus on. And the church needs to focus on people who were former Jews. And it needs to focus on people who were former heathens and Gentiles. Idol worshipers. The idols of the past have to be left behind in order to have Jesus form the Christian church. It's an important concept. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 1. He alludes to it in verse 16 of Romans 1. 
He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now this is coming from a, a Jewish man, a man who was a leader in the temple at Jerusalem. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, which was something that they called anyone that didn't speak, uh, anyone who didn't speak Hebrew. They were the Greek speakers. But it was also a euphemism for the Gentiles. So Paul says, here I am, a leader from the temple. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, he says pretty much the same thing. He says, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also the Gentile. But honor, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He's drawing us into the idea that just like Adam and Eve, the two shall become one. The theme continues uh, in verse ten, uh, chapter 10 of Romans in verse 12. And there Paul continues and he said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God calls us to salvation. God calls us to love. God calls us to be a peculiar people. And it doesn't mean peculiar, strange. It really is probably better translated specific people. Because God is calling people out of their old worship habits, their old faith systems, and He's making the church. He is building the church. When we look at when we look at the opening the opening verses of Ephesians chapter 3 I have a heading here on my chapter it says the church a mystery hidden from past ages quite literally he's writing to Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus. Ephesus, that city of the great temple of Diana. And he says, For this cause I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to your word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in a few words. 
the mystery of the church. When we talk about faith, there are plenty of mysteries of the church. If you came from a Catholic background, there was a mystery about almost everything concerning the church. It was something that we couldn't know, except Paul explains it here in this chapter to the best of his ability, and we know that his ability was was influenced, enabled, and built upon his understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 22 of the previous chapter, just above your chapter 3 heading, in whom ye also, this is talking about Jesus, it's talking about the stone that stumbles the Jews, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of this new temple, this new church that is being built, a church of the heart, not of stone and buildings. But he says, in whom you are also builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The indwelling Spirit of God in each of us is the new temple of God. And with all of the wonders of the second temple and even the first temple, with all of the wonders of those temples, the hugeness of the stones that it was built with, the work and labor that went into it, the, the gilding as well as the building, all of the implements of sacrifice, all of the intricacies of the rituals, they were all meant for one thing, and that is the atonement for sin and the worship of a holy God. With all of its intricacies, with all of its special implements, with all of the beauty, it pales in comparison to what God made in the human body, the different functions, the different plumbing systems, the heart, the digestive tract, the skeleton, the muscles, the foundation, our feet, all the way up to the top of our head. And then to think of our eyes and our ears and our minds and how they work. We know through modern medicine that there's an electrical system inside of us with impulses. There is nothing more gloriously made than the human body. And Satan in the garden sought to corrupt it. And he did. In many, many ways, he did. But he says here, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, because by this time he had been back to Jerusalem and was now gone out, and he realized that Peter was going to be ministering to the Jews 
and he was going to be ministering to the Gentiles. So I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you, because of you. You need to hear the word. You need to hear about Jesus. You need to hear about the idea that you can be saved and that life doesn't have to end with your last breath here on earth. If you have heard of the dispensation of grace, this is a fancy word that really just means God dispensing His grace to each of us. If you have heard of God dispensing of His own grace, which is given to me towards you, you see, as a Jew, Paul probably never would have had anything to do with these Gentiles. But after meeting Jesus and spending time in the backside of the Arabian desert and learning of the Scriptures again through the Holy Spirit, Paul has this born-again attitude with compassion and empathy, knowing that these people, these Gentiles, are lost the Jews have Jehovah. And Paul knows now that Jesus is part of Jehovah, one of the three of the Trinity. He says they're lost. How can we get them into the kingdom too? The scriptures talk about, about even, the, uh, even in the Old Testament in Isaiah 49, the scriptures talk about the Jews, and the Gentiles. In Isaiah 49, verse, uh, verse 6, he says, And it is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved Israel. For I will also give thee for a light unto the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nations abhorreth, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. The Holy One of Israel is Jesus. His name isn't mentioned because he wasn't born yet. But he is the Holy One of God. He is the right hand of the Lord. And it's important for us to understand that Jesus is called to be that light of the Gentiles. That Jehovah, in His Old Testament name, was called to be a light to the Gentiles. And the Jews were to be that instrument of light. We refer to Satan quite often by his name Lucifer, which means light bearer. And it is just one more example of the falsehood 
of the name and everything that has to do with Lucifer and Satan. He wasn't bringing light to anyone. He was bringing darkness and eternal death and separation from God because he himself wanted to be as high as God. He himself wanted to be like the Most High. And it's interesting as he speaks of those in Isaiah 14, he speaks those words that I want to be like the Most High. He wants to be God. And for many people, he unfortunately is. And as as Paul continues in chapter 3, he says how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. This word revelation is the same word that we get the name from the book of, of Revelations, apocalypsos in the Greek. By revelation, he made known unto me the, the mystery as I wrote before in few words. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to take you back to Ephesians chapter 1. In chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, he alludes to this mystery and this revelation. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, speaking of himself and those with him, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, at the end times, literally, at the end times he might gather in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now he also makes mention, he also makes mention here in chapter 2, verse 14. He says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He's broken down that partition that was made of Judaism and the law on one side and paganism and idolatry on the other. Because both of those things blind the other to the true true vision of Jesus Christ. He's drawing everyone into Christ. That's His purpose. So he's, he's there for the Gentiles. He's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles because you got to hear this. You have to hear. You're lost without it. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So now we have two two more groups that he's mentioning, the prophets of the Old Testament, who spoke 
somewhat vaguely of the Redeemer. David even writes, and who is his son? And what is his name, if you can tell? In Proverbs 30, verse 4. The illusion of the Redeemer and the Savior of Israel is throughout the Old Testament. The prophets all point to Jesus and the Holy Spirit has filled the apostles and He has pointed them to the whole, through the Holy Spirit to Jesus as well. So as it is now revealed unto His apostles and the prophets by the Spirit, you see, you can't really understand the Scriptures, Old Testament or New Testament, unless you have an understanding that the Spirit is within you. I believe it's in First Corinthians chapter 2. But the natural man, the man that's not born again, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Receiveth not the Spirit of, the, of God. Those are the things of the Old Testament. Uh, that's, that's some of what some of what we named this church after, Whitestone Fellowship. I will teach you. I will give you. I will open to you the hidden manna of God's Word. And that only comes by the Holy Spirit. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. They make no sense. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If he doesn't have the Spirit, he's not going to understand the Scriptures. There's a purpose. There's a purpose for the Scriptures and there is a purpose for the Holy Spirit. It's dynamic. It's life-changing. Because through it, we get a new understanding of what God's will for mankind is and what God's will for us as individuals is. Am I getting feedback? Oh, um, sounds like a car horn. Okay. That's all right. Don't leave. Okay, well, after that little distraction, there's a car alarm blowing out in the parking lot for you that are listening online. <clears throat> Just a minor distraction. Whereby you, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. Well, the apostles are preaching it. 
I guess it was mine. <laughs> Sorry. Nonetheless, in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. It's one message. It's one message from the prophets and one message from the apostles. It's a single message of salvation. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. This is just too good to be true because now he's telling us openly about what's going on. He's telling us openly that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. In the gospel, it tells us that we are made co-heirs with the Jews. But they're no longer going to be called Jews. They're not going to be called Gentiles. They're going to be called the church. Whereof I am made, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Paul's saying this isn't something that I was looking for. This is something that God did in me. God did it. I can't take credit for it. The effectual working of His power. If you feel like you're being empowered somehow by God, don't resist. Let it happen. Embrace it. And then pray about it and discern it. Is this something truly from God or is this something from some other source? Go ahead and experience it. But don't fall for Satan's lies. Go ahead and experience it. If it's truly from God, you won't be able to fight it off. Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints. This is Paul's thoughts on himself. Paul's thoughts and thinking about who he was the persecutor of the church. And yet now, as a persecutor of the church, he's a missionary to the Gentiles promoting the Lord Jesus Christ to a bunch of non-believing pagan idolatry worshipers. It, it makes me wonder how, how that happens other than through the power of God. His enduring power. His enduring power to bring us from where we were to where we are now. In understanding and in hope and in faith. And how we, He asks us to put our faith into action. Unto me whom less than the least of all the saints is this grace given 
that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Can't even, can't even fathom the depths of his riches. But they're to us word. To each believer, they are to us. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The mystery of the church. There's fellowship in the church. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, partaking of it together, which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. You get the idea that there's more revelations to come. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, all of the angels and all of their angelic roles, that's the principalities and powers that we we learned of in the first chapter of Ephesians. Powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. All of the roles that the angels play are all assigned to them. To minister all of those things and abilities and gifts to us. God knew that we would need those things to get through life. That we would need hope. We would need love. We would need charity. He knew that we would need humbleness. And those are all, those are just a few of the roles that the angels play for us in our lives. They were hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ. From verse 9. In verse 11, he finishes this, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. These are all the things that He gave to Jesus so that we could partake of them. the riches of His glory, the depths of those riches. In Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 2, He says in verse 32, a light to, to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of Thy people Israel. He's referring to Christ as the light of the world. In Acts 13, verse 47, Luke writes, For so saith the Lord commanded us, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. He's speaking this to the Jews. You're supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They hadn't been so far. They were a light only to themselves. 
hence giving, giving a reason for the parable of putting a light under a bushel basket so that nobody else could see it. He says, take off the bushel basket. You're supposed to be a light to the Gentiles too. In Acts verse, chapter 26, <clears throat> Luke has more to say. In verse 23 of Acts 26, I'm going to back up to verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. His whole purpose is to make one, two opposites. His whole purpose is to make one body of Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, Just a couple more verses here. And then we'll have communion. In Galatians 3, verse 28. Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. He's reminding the Galatians, the church that kind of got off, off base. They lost their foundation. They were shoved off their foundation by Judaizers who wanted to put them under the law again. But he says, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there is neither bond nor free. There's, there's only one. You are all in Christ. Christ Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 3, in Colossians 3, verse 11, Paul says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. He's making one thing out of two diverse and sometimes opposed, opposing peoples, belief systems, Forces. He's calling us to give up the old things. Behold, all things have passed away. Everything has become new. From 2 Corinthians 5.17 God is doing something new and He has continued to do something new in the world ever since Christ came and began preaching the word of the Father. 
His own Word and the Holy Spirit's Word as well. This is, a, this is one of the really true mysteries of faith. It's unfathomable to us. But it's the truth. It's what we all are looking for. It's all we're looking at. We're looking to Christ. We're looking for Him. We're looking to experience Him in ourselves. We're looking to receive the power of His mercy and grace and gifts as well. And we're going to share communion now because this is the, this is the thing that He left one of the things that He left for us that we could do. And He says, do this in remembrance of Me. So as we share communion, we'll take a moment to quietly reflect. If you have something on your mind, if you have something to confess, if you need a question answered of faith, if you have something that's just bothering you, that God needs to minister to your heart with, this is a good time to speak to Him. This is a good time to speak to Him in prayer and in hope.
from the 26th chapter of Matthew, verse 26 of chapter 26. And when Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples, he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and giving it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus gave us broken, a broken matzos, piece of bread, and he gave us wine as symbols of his body and blood. His body broken and his blood poured out for us. Heavenly Father, we are humbled by your acts. Lord Jesus, we are humbled by your coming to earth to live a life like ours and then dying the death that we need to die, paying for our sins. Lord, you're more, you're more than a Savior. You're God. You're the Creator. You saw all of this at the creation of the earth. And you knew what laid ahead when it came time for the Redeemer to come into the world. And you did it willingly for our sakes, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the Jews that came to you, and for the sake of the heathen and the Gentiles, the pagans and the idolaters who came to you. Lord, we're here because of the word of the Gospels shared unto us by the apostles. <laughs> Lord, let's partake of these emblems together in remembrance of your sacrifice. The emblems have come together in us. And it's important that we live out the power and the purpose of Jesus Christ in this earth. Lord, you came to change us and change us you have. And we're so thankful. We ask you to be with us this week, this month, this season of the holidays that's coming up. Lord, be with us always, every day. Help us to be the men and the women that you designed us to be with love and good works but the works come because of you. Like Paul being changed, he was filled with compassion and empathy for the lost. May we have it too. We thank you and we praise you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, God be merciful to us and bless us, 
and cause his face to shine upon us, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Don't lag behind if you're walking with the Lord. Don't run ahead. Let him lead. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.